you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Now, when my son Noah was about seven or eight, he was obsessed with Aminer. He talked about it constantly. Do you know what that is? No, neither did we. <laughs> uh, because he has profound autism and is functionally nonverbal, he says a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense to us. Um, but he was deeply committed to Aminer. We Googled it. We asked the respite workers and the school staff if they had, anyone knew what, what he was talking about. Um, but nobody had a clue. And Noah, for months, just said, Aminer, Aminer. And it was, it was intriguing, but it was also very frustrating. So one day, he came over to me with a VeggieTales uh, DVD, and he said pointedly, Aminer. Ah, finally, it made sense. He was asking for a specific video called, Are You My Neighbor? Aminer. Obviously. <laughs> it was like a light switch went off. The people who sat in the darkness have seen a great light. And as soon as we got it, uh, we looked around the house, and everywhere we looked, around the TV, there was dozens of pictures of VeggieTale characters. <laughs> and it was so clear. It could not be more obvious. All it took was for that light to go off, and then we could make sense of it. This is Epiphany Tide. It is the season where we start to see the ramifications of God moving into the neighborhood, as Jamie quoted from the message a few weeks back. When we've had an experience of Jesus, we are changed. Things shift. Our identity, our story about ourselves, our responses to others. We realize that this is not just about us, but that we are caught in this larger story. And some of these shifts come like a light switch turning on. And others are a slower burn. Epiphany starts with the Magi coming to pay homage. The stars have been calling it for years. And then it moves to the baptism of Jesus, where God names him beloved. And today, our text brings us to the calling of the disciples. Epiphany continues through to us today. This sense of God saying, Aminer, to us, until we finally get it. And until that time, we wait and we watch. Sometimes very intriguing, other times pretty frustrating. And we try and understand what is going on trying to feel along the cracks until there's some kind of opening to a deeper understanding. Now, I felt like that a lot this week. Maybe you have as well. This week began with all of us listening to the words of Martin Luther King Jr., his dreams of a just society with dignity for all. And it ended with the inauguration of a man who is deeply connected with a population that is feeling impotent and angry. It is clear that our culture is caught in fear and shame, in dislocation, and in cynicism. What exactly is happening? And at what point does it become appropriate to panic? Now, what is our response? Most of me wants to jump up and to weigh in, to fight, and to make very tersely worded statements on Facebook. Now. <laughs> Many of us did march yesterday, and it was good to feel that our presence contributed to a larger story, 
one that stands for dignity and hope for all. Now in John, we hear that there is a political change afoot there too. John has been arrested, and fear is growing. Jesus withdraws to Galilee. He shows that this is not a time for reaction. It's a time for preparation. It's a time for defiance in a different way. Now Jesus begins preaching, and what he says is, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. And now when I hear this, I usually hear that as a threat. You see that like foreboding character uh, that's holding up this sign? Uh, and so I googled this phrase, and it is actually sickening what you find. There's all sorts of threats of hell, damnation, judgment of others. This phrase that Jesus spoke has been used to induce fear in us. Clean up your act or you're going to hell. That's because we interpret it in a culture of fear. If we have felt the shift of knowing in our bones that we are loved by God, we hear that with new ears. Repent means literally turn around. It means get a new orientation for the way that you live and then act on it. Be changed from the inside. Repent is the invitation into Epiphany Tide. For the kingdom of God is not an idea or an abstraction. It has been revealed and embodied in Christ, and it continues to be revealed and embodied by us, through us. We need a revolution in thought, a countercultural stance that defies fear and shame and cynicism. Instead of being apathetic, we need to be wakeful. This is a call to action. Get out of your boat and follow me. The disciples immediately leave what they're doing to follow Jesus. Metaphorically, we need to leave old ways of thinking, old ways of understanding, and follow. We need to hold on to hope as an act of defiance. We are a resurrection people. We believe in the impossible. When Jesus says, follow me, we trust that it will be worth it. This is not the time for fear. This is the time to stand in hope that perfect love casts out fear, to get out of our boats and to follow that call into a new way of being, one based on love and grace. Now, if those disciples had not followed, would Jesus still have been able to move into ministry? Of course. Jesus could have used anyone, but he chose them. We see from the story that it actually does matter whether or not we get out of the boat. Now, there's an old Hebraic saying that calls us to carry with us two truths, one in each hand. The one hand says, I am but dust and ashes. It's not about me. The other says, for my sake, the world was created. It is important that I am here. I can forgive, love, protest, show up, speak. Each of us has at least a fish or a loaf that we can give. We don't need to feed 5,000 because we're not Jesus. But we can give what we have and trust that God will multiply it. We keep our egos in check. I am but dust and ashes. I am part of something so much bigger than myself. And we don't give in to apathy. For me, my sake, the world was created. I am part of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. I am called to embody that truth with the way I see myself, the way I treat others, 
and the way I move in the world. So, epiphany. We are changed, and everything will work out. It can kind of start to sound like life is all rainbows and cotton candy. But then we read in 1 Corinthians that the reorientation has not fully permeated. God comes to us in layers. It's one thing to get out of the boat and follow. It's another thing to work with humans who are annoying. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Boom. This is how Christians fight. We don't have a dance-off, we have a pious-off. So we see here that our penchant for finding a team, finding our in-group, did not begin with Twilight's Team Jacob and Team Edward. The Corinthians are teaming up already. They're finding little sub-tribes. Now, why are they doing this? We don't know the details, but it's dividing them, and Paul calls them to unity, to be united in the same mind and in the same person. This is different than uniformity, because Paul speaks quite a bit about that in the following texts. He celebrates the diversity of gifts and talents. We are reminded again of the shift into the way of thinking that embodies the kingdom of God. We are not alone. We are unified with our siblings, with our sisters, and with our brothers in Christ. We see each other as dearly beloved and chosen in God's eyes. We are interconnected, though we are not the same. What happens to one of us matters to each of us. This is totally counter to the in-group fighting that's happening in Corinth. The club mentality is about ego and false belonging. Christianity is not about belonging to a team or to a club. When we feel the shift into a new understanding, we know that it doesn't matter whose team we rally under. The important thing is that God has claimed us. God says to me, I don't care what school you go to, you went to or what grades you got. I don't care how much you weigh and how many likes you get on Instagram. I don't care how hard you tried to make everyone like you and whether or not they do. You are mine. You belong because of who you are in me. Now, I bet that God says something very similar, perhaps not quite so pointed about the Instagram thing, uh, to all of you, to each one of us. It It does not matter how hard you have tried. It matters that I have claimed you. When this truth permeates our being, we realize that it's not about us. We are but dust and ashes. And we also know that for us, the world was created. We are called beloved. So we reach out both hands, and we continue into the story of the unfolding of the kingdom of God, proclaiming the good news. This is not the end. We are each beloved. We have work to do. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.